this by, uh, by a seat of our pants a little bit, but let, let's go ahead and get started. Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to, to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for him in the inn. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all you've given us, Lord. I thank you especially for this special gift of your son, Jesus, who was born a very humble birth in a manger uh, years ago, Father. And we thank you so much for his birth, because we know with his birth that uh, we will have salvation someday. We thank you so much for all you've done for us, and especially for this time. I pray this in your name. Amen. Christmas Eve candlelight service. We are so glad to have you here and to be uh, celebrating this wonderful evening with us. And thank you to those who are joining us online as well. Over the last uh, several weeks of this month, we have been talking about the four angelic visits announcing the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, to the world. And we talked about um, all of those angelic visits except for the last one. And so if you follow along with the timeline of first century, right, as Jesus is coming, 15 months before this night was the first angelic visit 
to Zechariah as he was in the temple uh, doing his service. And the angel appeared to him and announced to him that God was finally ready to move on the prayer of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, a prayer that years before they had moved on from. And so the angel gave Zechariah a sign that his words would come true. And he said, Zechariah, so you'll know that what I'm promising you is going to happen. You're going to be mute, unable to speak until your son John the baptizer is born. So six months after that, the same angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she would become pregnant by the power of Holy Spirit and give birth to a son who would be called God's son. And her sign that this would happen was that her cousin Elizabeth, a barren woman who was very old, was entering her third trimester. Now three to four months after that, the angel would visit Joseph in a dream and tell him to go ahead and and do what he wanted to do anyway and take Mary as his wife because she was telling the truth about her pregnancy that she had not been with another man. That angelic visit was just the sign that Joseph had hoped for and he took her to be his wife at great personal cost to his reputation. Tonight, in the storyline of Jesus' birth, Jesus has just been born and Mary and Joseph are tending to him on the main floor of a living quarter in the home of a Bethlehem stranger. After he was born, they wrapped him in cloths, as was the custom, wrapped him tightly, and because there was no place else to put him except the ground, they laid him in most likely a stone manger cut into the sidewall of the home. Now that manger would play a significant part in the story as it becomes the sign to the shepherds that they had found the king, the one that the angels were announcing. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And so we invite you to listen as we share the Christmas story through song and through word, as we take communion together later in the service, and we remember the baby-born king who was also born to die. The greatest gift ever gave the greatest gift ever. And then we'll close this evening with communion and by lighting candles as we remember the light of the world that was born to us so many years ago.
Jim who? <laughs> Do all these other people have to stay up here? No. Oh. I think we could all agree we have a really terrific pastor here in Corey. And uh, so this is from, thank you. This is from the whole church, uh, just an appreciation at the end of the year, Christmas gift for Corey, from you guys. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Did you, they, they brought the one with the cheeriest disposition and the longest hair. Can you believe that it is uh, Christmas Eve in Kansas and it was 74 today? Now I'm all for snow, but if I can wear shorts to Christmas Eve service, it is the best Christmas gift that I could have get, gotten. <laughs> so I am really, I am really excited. I did wear red for you and so my mother-in-law wouldn't be so upset with me. Uh, for not dressing up on, on Christmas Eve. But I, I, I am sure that my uh, pastor friends in Florida, this is what they're wearing uh, as they preach. So this is, this is where we're at. Tonight, I want to make a few observations from the angels' interaction with the shepherds. You, you know the story probably, you've, you've heard it um, at every Christmas Eve uh, that you've gone to a service like this all of your life, you've probably heard this story. But I wanna make a few observations from that night to help us apply what we read in the storyline of Luke and, and what was happening between the angels and the shepherds in the birth of King Jesus. I wanna apply those things to our own lives Especially as we look at, like, this is the, the end, right? We're closing out 2021, if you can believe that, and, and marching headlong, whether we want to or not, in, into a brand new year. And, and that's exciting. I, I'm, I'm excited for 2022. It, honestly, um, the farther away we get from 2020, I, the happier I get, right? And so um, I'm excited for that. But I, I also, like, there's some really incredible things that are happening in the storyline of Jesus that, that I think affect us today. So we already know from what Alan read um, the, the earlier that um, Joseph and Mary, they have made it to Bethlehem, right? The governor had said uh, of Rome, had said, uh, we're going to take a census. And so Joseph took Mary. They went to Bethlehem. Um, they probably were late getting there. And, and I think maybe sometimes we're a little too uh, harsh in the story. And so probably Mary and, and Joseph were late getting to Bethlehem, and, and that's why everything was full. It wasn't that everybody hated them, um, but maybe it was just full up. And, and so they were able to find, most likely, the, the main living quarters in a Bethlehem home. And so this would have been like almost like a split-level home kind of thing. This would have been the area that would open up to the courtyard where the animals would be kept. And they might bring them up closer into this main living area where they would do most of the cooking, where they would spend most of their day. And the family would go up the stairs a little bit to another large room where they would all sleep together uh, just on, a, on the floor. They'd have mats that they would lay out um, there. There was no room in that main sleeping area for Mary and Joseph, and probably who wants to sleep in the same room with a woman given birth? And so they, I mean, I did it, but it was difficult. 
So that was a joke, people. Okay, keep up. This is good. Uh, so Mary and Joseph, they went into this lower area separated from the rest of the people sleeping in the home. And that's where she gave birth um, to Jesus. This is where he's been born. And so we're going to jump in to Luke uh, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. In the same region, the same region of Bethlehem where Mary and Joseph were, where she had just given birth, there were shepherds out in the field. Now that's going to come into play later in the story, so just keep that in mind. They were keeping over their watch over their flock by night. And all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So they're in the dark, right? No street lights, no flashlights. They maybe had a small campfire, but the light that came from the angel, the the glory of the Lord, if you can imagine what that might be, that was a huge spotlight that came on the shepherds. It was startling. They weren't able to see for a while until their eyes adjusted. This was a big moment. The glory of the Lord shone shone around them, and, and they were terrified. They were filled with with great fear. They had no idea what was happening. They'd never seen anything like this before. And so from that bright light, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Each of the four angelic visits announcing the coming of Jesus include the angels telling their listeners to stop being afraid. Hey, would you go back to the last slide that you were on? I've always, um, I've always thought about this as I've preached on the story now for 21 years or something like that. Uh, preached on this story of the angels coming and visiting the people and they always say, fear not. And, and, and we know that the angel, the literal translations of what the angels said to the people was stop being afraid. We talked about that a few weeks ago. That's really hard to just stop being afraid when you're afraid. It's it's difficult to do. And yet the angels are telling their listeners, stop being afraid. I've always seen that as kind of a single and separate event from the rest of what the angel is talking to uh, the people about. Stop being afraid of us. That's how I've always read that story. Maybe you've read that too as you've come across that and you think, man, I... I'd be afraid if an angel just appeared to me as a great big hulking man with a a sword and wings and all. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm bowing down. I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. And yet, what we see in the story, really, is that the angels don't actually say, simply stop being afraid, period, end of sentence, that's it. They say, in each case, stop being afraid, and then they go on to tell you why you should stop being afraid. So let's go back and look at those interactions that the angels had. The the first angel shows up after 400 years of prophetic silence in, in Israel. God hasn't spoken to anybody through an angel, through a prophet, through a priest, through a king for 400 years. They're going through the motions. They're making the sacrifices. They're doing the things they're supposed to. But God has been silent until the angel appears to Zechariah in the temple. And and when the angel shows up to Zechariah, he says, stop being afraid because your prayer has been answered. 
Specifically, the, the prayer that you and Elizabeth prayed years ago when you were much, much, much younger when you asked God for a baby. That prayer has been answered. So he says, stop being afraid because I'm here to tell you that the prayer you prayed for years is finally going to be answered. That's good news, right? I mean, maybe it wasn't for Zachariah and Elizabeth at 80 or 90 years old, but generally speaking, when God answers our prayer, that's good news. And the next time the angel appeared to someone, he appears to Mary. And to Mary, Gabriel said, stop being afraid because you found the favor from God that you've been seeking. Mary, you've been following God and you've been obeying the rules and the laws and you've been pouring your heart out to him. You've been praying, you've been seeking him. You've been reading the Old Testament. You've been, you've been chasing after God and you finally found the favor with him that you've been after. Stop being afraid because you've attained the thing that you wanted. That's good news to Mary. When the angel appears to Joseph in the dream, he says, stop being afraid to take Mary as your wife because what you fear, that she had been unfaithful to him, was unfounded. And so don't be afraid of me as the angel. Don't be afraid because I'm here to give you good news. In fact, that's exactly what the angel says to the shepherds. Stop being afraid because we are here to bring you good news that will be for all the people. Now, I guess, I assume, and if I look hard enough in Scripture, I can find places where it would just as easily be that the angel might have brought a message of pain as delivering a message of promise. But when you consider angels appearing in, in the Bible. If you go back and look at all of the times that angels appeared to different people in the Bible, overwhelmingly, angels are used to bring good news to God's people. But I really like that there is this reason in the text to not fear the angels. Our God is not a God of chaos or a God of fear, but a God of order and a God of peace. A God who wants to give us good news. And, and I think it's really interesting. In fact, I need to study it some more. But I, I feel like every time an angel comes and gives a message to somebody, a human person, I feel like the angel is completely caught off guard by the behavior of the person they're talking to. And so part of the reason they say, stop being afraid because I'm here to bring you good news is that they don't understand the way we're feeling. And I think the reason for that is because angels have been in the presence of God. In fact, Gabriel says that to Zechariah, right? He, he says, Zechariah, why are you questioning me? My name is Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel knows God. Gabriel knows who God is, his character, his love, his grace, his mercy, his peace. He's experienced that firsthand. And so when he comes to humanity, he's like, don't you understand that this God loves you incredibly more than you can possibly imagine? Why are you afraid? I'm here to bring you good news. 
And in the angel's case, talking to the shepherds, they say, this good news is not just for you shepherds. This good news leads to great joy for all people. Let's go to the next verse. He says, the reason there's joy for all people is because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Maybe we could say it like this. This will be your sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I think we read this like really quickly. And, and, and the, the incredible things that are happening in this short verse, we don't really understand. But the shepherds who had been trained in the Torah from young boys, the first five books of the Old Testament, they knew God through his word. They would have understood so many more points that the angel is making than we do today just reading the story. And so the angels, I think, knew exactly, the shepherds knew exactly what the angels were saying. And, And even though they were social outcasts, these shepherds, they had learned the promises of Messiah through the Torah. But this society, we have to understand what was happening here. This Jewish society is a society that values ritual purity over all else. And that ritual purity was only attained by a strict observance of rules and regulations. And the problem for shepherds was that they were out in the field all the time. They were unable, because of their occupation, to observe many and and maybe most of the regulations that the rest of Jewish society considered to be so important. And so the shepherds were outcasts, spiritual, social outcasts, not just because of their job, but because they were in a constant state of ritual impurity. They were unable to cleanse themselves, to to wash, to follow all the regulations, to avoid touching dead things. They worked with animals. They were around blood and dead things all the time. They simply could not follow those rituals. But but here's the wild thing that, that I think really kind of pulls the story together. The shepherds were ritually impure. That means that they were unable to enter the temple of God to offer sacrifice and, and, and enjoy the, the, the kind of ritual things that the rest of the Jewish society would enjoy because of their occupation. But it's possible that these shepherds, the angels were talking to that night, were tending the very sheep used primarily in the morning and evening, ritual sacrifices in the temple, as well as those that were saved for the Passover sacrifice. That lamb that had to be a perfect lamb without stain or blemish. So, um, it's interesting. The, the sheep that these impure shepherds tended were the very sheep that other people used to make themselves ritually pure. But this announcement that the angels make, what the shepherds are hearing and what the angels say, it changes all of that. This Savior that the angels said would come would, would save the shepherds 
too, and it wouldn't have anything to do with their ritual purity. This announcement makes the shepherds spiritual equals with those who saw them as unspiritual subordinates. And the sign that the angels give the shepherds that all of this was going to be true was that they would find the anointed one, Christ, the anointed one of God, the one who, who, who the angels said was going to be king and save the world from their sins. They would find this baby-born king lying in a stone manger. Now, this was such an uncommon thing that there was no chance that the shepherds would make a mistake and show up in Bethlehem at the wrong birth. When you find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger, you've found God's king. That's what the angels were saying. Nobody else would have done this. Now, it's, it's not that the manger was this terribly disgusting thing, but we've got a lot of moms out here. Let me ask you, would you take a newborn baby and lay them in a place where animals spend a lot of time? No? <laughs> I, I, now, the dad's out here, maybe. Um, but moms, like you understand, like there's germs and there's gross things and animals um, aren't always trained. And so there's a lot of junk around here. We want to put this baby in a place that it will be most protected, even though it might not be perfect. And so this was not a common practice among Jewish people. The angels say, when you find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger, you've found the Messiah. It was absurd, and it was remarkable at the same time. And, and here's what happens next. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now just try and picture this scene for a moment. Literally, the, the original text gives us the idea that this was an army of angels, maybe thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of angels appear to these shepherds in the field. And they're cheering, and they're shouting, and they're giving each other high fives, and there's this incredible excitement and buzz among these thousands of angels that the, the shepherds can see. And in the midst of all of that kind of chaos, this message, this repeated phrase could begin to be heard. Glory to God in the highest Glory to God in the highest. And, and it started small and then it just began to grow until all of the angels were chanting this at the same time on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And, and if the message would not have been this terrific, witnessing this event would have been terrifying. They were in the midst of this moment. Like, we're not sure what to do. We're completely afraid at what we're seeing. We've never seen anything like this. How is anybody going to believe us? And yet, what we're hearing is so wonderful that we can't contain it. I, I want to make one point here, though. And it, and, it, and it changes the story a little bit, but it's way more accurate 
The, the wording of what the angels said to the shepherds is a bit confusing. And, and I want to make sure that we understand what is actually being said or what was actually said. See, God did not send his son to bring peace between God and humanity because humanity pleased God so much that he wanted to do something nice for them. Right? That's, that's not the reality of the story. In, in fact, in, in just about two short years from this moment that the angels come and appear uh, and, and, and speak peace to the, to the shepherds, in just about two years, Herod is going to kill maybe hundreds of Jewish boys in the Bethlehem uh, area and vicinity because he's trying to kill Jesus. This is not a peace-loving people who are making God proud and so he wants to give them a gift in Jesus. That is not, I mean, that's what it kind of sounds like. Well, well look, I, God must be pleased with me, but that's, that's not really what the angels said. But because we know, I know, but probably you know, that I do a lot more displeasing God than I do pleasing God. What the shepherds would have heard the angels saying in their own language, probably closer to something like this. Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased to send his son to. And, and, it, and it changes a little bit. Because what happens in the original text is we're not told that God is pleased with us and so he's giving us the gift of his son. What he says is, by God's choice... Because of who God is, he was pleased to give us something that we did not deserve. God did not send his son to earth because we deserved it. He sent his son to earth because he knew that we didn't. This savior didn't come because we are good, but because he is good. And that literally changes everything. Let's pray. The band is going to come up and we're going to do another song. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. And I thank you for this night that we can come together and we can worship together. Tomorrow is going to be a busy day filled with presence and, and hopefully family and, 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 and love and, and joy and excitement. But in this moment, Help us to remember why we give gifts to each other. And, and it is because we, we love and we want to do nice things, but it really is because we've learned it from you. You gave us the best gift ever in your son, Jesus, who came to live our life. God, we thank you for your son tonight. We thank you for what his birth means to us. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to come and to worship you. We thank you, Father, for all you give us in Jesus' name.
The coming of this baby-born king did change the story for each of us. Not only was God pleased to send his son to be born among us, to endure human skin and weakness, but to live among sinful humanity without sin in order to take the place of those young sheep the shepherds tended that night, to become our sin offering once for all. That baby-born king would one day be crucified, and once again, because of God's goodness, we don't have to fear because the news is good. Our sins have been washed away. We have been given a new birth into a living hope that just as Jesus was born and, and died and raised to life, we also might be raised to new life. And so we celebrate both the birth and the death of Jesus. Because through the birth of Jesus, he faced our trials and temptations yet remained sinless, becoming the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And through his death, he paid our sin price. And then by his resurrection, he conquered the fear of death and brought us peace and hope and great joy. If you are a follower in, of Jesus tonight, we invite you to take communion with us. We're going to do this together. And so um, in, in just a, a moment, the band is going to play the next song. And I invite you, you're sitting, you should have gotten communion when you came in the door. You can take that in your seats with your family. And when you're ready, you can come up to the front We've got some trash cans here where you can um, please put your communion cups in there. And then you can take a candle. If you have young children that a uh, candle might be a little dangerous for, remember this is not our building, so we want to be careful with it. We have um, some little tea lights up here that are battery operated, and they can hold those. You could turn them on. And, and um, I didn't check them, but I hope they work. If they don't work... I'm sorry, because <laughs> you're going to be in trouble because <laughs> you're kidding the light. Anyway, uh, so do that, and, and we'll just pray that they work, and that'll be good. Um, uh, then, so put your communion in there, uh, take a candle, get one for, for your kids, and then what we're going to do is just fill around the room, and um, I want you to start on the each side kind of by the speakers, and then just kind of fill around the back of the room while the band is playing the song all of that is going to happen and then we're going to start lighting the candles um, while while that's happening during the song okay you got all that okay good
passes from one candle to the next around the room, and then it, it's much brighter. The longer we stay here with these candles lit, the easier it will be to see. The news of the birth of the king passed from shepherds to people to more people, the apostles, and it grew and it grew and it grew, and it passes the same exact way today, just as the light from our candles pass from one candle to the next, as we share our faith, one person to the next person, every day doing our best to look more like Jesus, we help every person possible find real life in him. We help others see him and experience the kind of life that the angels announced so long ago, a life of peace that would come and would be for all men, although all men wouldn't be for it. So we do our best to live our lives for Jesus, and we let him take care of the rest of that. I am uh, happy tonight to be a part of a church that so incredibly lives out our mission. And, and honestly, I, I think this last year, 2021, you all have done a better job of that than at any point in our 14 and a half year 
existence. We're, by the way, just so you know, we're going to celebrate uh, 15 years of being a church in August of 2022. That's pretty cool. And we're just now catching on, (laughs) all of us, (laughs) me included, (laughs) to what it means to be a disciple and to look more like Jesus every day. And so I am grateful and I am thankful for each of you and know that um, you all, we together will continue to share our light with the people that we come in contact with. Let's take a minute to pray. Father God, we thank you for the way that you love us so incredibly. We thank you not only for the light that you sent into the world, but the light that comes into our lives. A light that lives not because we are perfect, but because you are perfect. A light that exists not because we please you, but because you are pleased to call us your children. And so, Father, help us to live that out this year, to really be children of God, to know what it means to look like Jesus. God, would you help our individual lights to shine so that together our lights might spread to others in this community and in this state and this country because there is really no hope for us outside of the hope of your son Jesus Christ and so God we light our light light our lights that the whole world might know that Jesus is the king. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Go. Silent night. And number two is Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, stop it. You're just saying it because I said it. Hey, have, have a great day tomorrow. And, and don't forget, we'll see you back here 
January something. When it's 2022, we'll see you back here in church, okay? Not the 26th. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.